We absolutely need it. It's a chemical messenger between the brain and the body. It's also involved in digestion. It's very important. The problem with histamine is not histamine. The problem is when we can't break down histamine. Body is going into this inflammatory state. Some people can't tolerate the very treatment they need. They can't take any supplements. They can't tolerate almost any food. If you just remove the high histamine foods, the difference you can see in like one or two weeks is amazing. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. So excited about today's episode. You guys have been asking for this episode topic for so long. It is finally here. I will leave it at that, but the show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash histamine. Those episodes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. There will also be an episode giveaway for this episode. For that, just join my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post under the announcements to enter to win something I love. Here is a huge, huge huge resource for you guys. If you're at all curious or concerned about taking charge of your histamine levels, as well as other potential compounds that can be found in food that may be causing you issues, you've got to get my app food sense guide. I created it to deal with my own problems around food, and it is a comprehensive searchable catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds, whether they're low, moderate, or high in them. So that does include histamine for all of those foods, as well as other compounds like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, oxalates, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It's super helpful. I use it all the time. You can make your own personal list to share and print. It's just really, really cool. You can get that at melanieavalon.com slash guide. One more amazing thing for you guys. Maybe you're thinking about cleaning up the histamine levels in your food. Guess what's something else you can clean up? That would be your skincare and makeup. I find this completely shocking, but there are thousands and thousands of compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. that are banned in Europe due to their toxic nature. We're talking things like endocrine disruptors, obesogens, meaning they encourage your body to store and gain weight, and even carcinogens linked to cancer. When we put conventional skincare makeup onto our skin, it gives those compounds direct access to our bloodstream, as well as to our fat stores. They're stored in our body, and they can have massive inflammatory and hormone-disrupting potential. I cannot encourage you enough that you clean up your skincare and makeup ASAP. That's why I'm so grateful that there's a company called Beauty Counter. They were founded on a mission to change this. All of the ingredients in their skincare makeup are extensively tested to be safe for your skin. You can truly feel good about putting it on. If you'd like to find your perfect products, I made a series of quizzes. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter quiz. And you can shop with me at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. And if you use that link, something really special and magical might happen after you place your first order. Also definitely get on my clean beauty email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash clean beauty. I give away a lot of free things on that list. So definitely get on it now. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Dr. Becky Campbell. 
Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I have been eagerly awaiting this episode for so long, and I know my audience has as well. It is about a topic that I think so many people are personally struggle with, have questions about, want to know more about, and that is histamine, all things histamine. I was looking to find the perfect person to talk to about it, and I got introduced actually by our mutual friend, Noelle Tarr, to the fabulous Dr. Becky Campbell, and she actually has a book all on the topic, and her book, The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan, Friends, listeners, I'm so excited because I got the book. I read it and I told you this, Becky, but it's a beautiful book. It's just really gorgeous to look through the pictures and everything, but it really does an amazing job of diving deep into histamine intolerance on a level that I hadn't really read in any other source prior to that while still being super accessible, super understandable, and then obviously very practical and implementable for those looking to have a histamine reset (laughs) and address all of that. So Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for putting up with all my reschedules. It's all good. It's happening now. It's all that matters. (laughs) So for listeners, a little bit about Dr. Becky. She is a board certified doctor of natural medicine, and she was initially introduced to functional medicine as a patient. I'll just let you, Becky, tell listeners about your own story that actually led you to that. But you've been published, you know, all over the place, Mind Body Green, Bustle, Pop Sugar. She's been on various podcasts. Now this podcast, obviously I said the four phase histamine reset plan. She also has the 30 day thyroid reset plan book as well. But yeah, so to start things off, would you like to tell listeners a little bit about your personal story and what led you to where you are today? And in particular, why you have this focus on histamine? Yeah. So I think, you know, as a kid, I I didn't feel terrible, but there were certain things that now knowing what I know about histamine intolerance, there were definitely signs, you know, I had migraine headaches. I was very sensitive to the heat. Like I would pass out randomly in the heat. I would get random hives and just, I was tired. I, I was more tired than other friends were. I was dizzy a lot, you know, and, you know, no doctor really knew anything or thought there was anything wrong. So I kind of just went through life as that being normal. And then when I was in college, you know, of course, under an enormous amount of stress with my class schedule, I gained 30 pounds really quickly and I started losing a bunch of hair and got really bad brain fog. So it was like, it was abnormal. You know, I'd already felt off most of my life, but it was definitely worse. There was something wrong. And fast forward, you know, through many doctors and trying to figure it out, I turned out I had Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease. So I started working with natural medicine doctors who helped me a lot with the food and working on my gut health and my, you know, hormones and all that. And, you know, then I got that under very good control to the point where I didn't even need thyroid medication. But... I did have some lingering symptoms that I would notice were really related to food and stress. And so, but I couldn't tell, you know, what, what it was. It's, it's like, cause you know, food reaction isn't always right away. So you always think, oh, I have a food sensitivity and it really wasn't that. So, you know, I have just so happened to love all high histamine foods. <laughs> so I was eating a lot of fermented foods. I was drinking kombucha every day you know, 
dried meats, whatever, like aged meats, all stuff that's high histamine. And I would get very strange symptoms where I would have like tingling, like weird crawling sensations on my scalp, which led me to get MRIs thinking I had, you know, a tumor. I mean, all sorts of weird stuff. I was very fatigued when I would eat, you know, it it would be almost like I took a sleeping pill. And so long story short, I started realizing that there was something else going on besides my thyroid issue. Nobody was really talking about histamine intolerance at the time that I knew of. I didn't even know what it was, but I started learning about it just through research and a friend actually had mentioned it to me. And then I realized and got tested for and realized that I had mast cell activation syndrome, which we can kind of talk about in a little bit. It's like one of the leading causes of histamine intolerance. So you know, then I learned exactly what to do for it. And that's kind of what led me to work with people the way I do with histamine intolerance and write this book, because it really changed my life. I mean, I feel great now, for the most part. So I I knew I needed to make this more aware, because it's still not talked about nearly enough. And people don't understand what it is. But a lot of people are suffering with it. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm sorry you had to go through that. But I am super thrilled that you did realize what it was and were able to address it and that now we're able to share this information because I think histamine is so interesting because obviously I think a lot of people are familiar. They know antihistamines, but I think it can be really, really vague to a lot of people. And like, especially like the foods, it's like, okay, well, how much does any one thing really affect things? Like it's hard to know. And especially I think because the symptoms like you discussed are so broad and could potentially be so many things and especially the overlap with food sensitivities. So I guess a foundational question, what is histamine? I always feel so stupid asking like a simple question, but what is histamine? No, that's a really good question because, you know, histamine gets a bad rap, like estrogen and cortisol, you know, they all get a bad rap. But it's something that's so, so needed in our body. Its main role is to help you get rid of allergens. So it dilates your blood vessels whenever it it senses a potential pathogen. And it allows your white blood cells to come in and find and attack those pathogens. So we absolutely need it. It's also involved in digestion. It's a chemical messenger between the brain and the body. So it's, it's, it's very important. The problem with histamine is not histamine. The problem is when we can't break down histamine. So some of us can break it down really easily, and that's, that's what's supposed to happen. After it comes in and does its job, we have these enzymes that come in, it breaks it down, it gets rid of it, it we're fine, Every, you know, everything's normal. But for some people, they don't have enough of that enzyme, and there's multiple reasons why, and then the enzyme can't come in and do its job and break down the histamine. And we have so many histamine receptors in the body meaning the places in our body that histamine's taken in and used. So if there's all this histamine left over, the histamine's going to get into those receptors and it's going to cause symptoms throughout the body. And that's why the symptoms are so, you know, in such various places throughout the body because it's where those receptors are located. This might be way too technical of a question, but do you know, for, so the histamine attaches to these receptors and causes these issues because the enzyme that breaks it down, you talk about there's like DAO, also HNMT, like does it break it down like off of the receptor or is it like histamine is floating around everywhere and it breaks it down? Yeah, it's like floating around in the blood. So it, it kind of grabs, it breaks it down and it's, it, it 
basically dissolves it. So if it's not broken down, that's when it can get into more receptor sites and it can, it can cause more symptoms. Yeah. Can some people, do they have like really epic production of the enzymes that break it down and can really tolerate almost any histamine load? And then some people can't tolerate like anything? Yeah. Yeah. So the main enzyme is the DAO enzyme and that's produced primarily in our digestive tract. So since, you know, I'm sure at this point, most of your listeners have heard that gut health is a big deal. One of the reasons it's a big deal is because we need to produce this enzyme. So if you have gut infections and you have issues going on, you're not going to adequately produce it. So that would be one of the reasons that you would not be able to break down the histamine. So if someone has amazing gut health and they don't have any genetic mutations, because you can also have genetic mutations in these enzymes, then that would be a person who would easily break down histamine. Okay, gotcha. The symptoms that a person might experience from the histamine, does it require reaching some sort of overload point where the symptoms start manifesting or can anybody experience symptoms at any time? And I know you talk about like the, the bucket theory of histamine. So I can kind of explain the bucket theory and that will probably be a good place to start. So, you know, I like to say, imagine you have a bucket and you fill it full of stuff that is going to make you less tolerant to histamine. So stress is a huge issue with underlying histamine leaky gut, gut infections, or, you know, histamine producing bacteria in the gut, vitamin deficiencies, you know, inflammatory diseases like irritable bowel disease, those mutations in our genes, certain medications. So say you have all that going on or some of it or whatever, and then you go to eat that high histamine food and your bucket is full, you're going to topple over, you know, you're going to get symptomatic. But if my whole purpose of all of this is not to put people on a low histamine diet and keep them on that forever, my purpose is to teach people about the underlying causes of histamine intolerance, get those as good as possible. So emptying that bucket, and then that's when you can tolerate more, you know, you can eat more foods, you know, you can have some alcohol, whatever it is, you know, you can live that normal life that you're looking for and not be symptomatic. Is there also like an actual histamine sensitivity or is it really just like and it not having enough enzymes because histamine creates these inflammatory reactions? It's really about the amount of histamine. So like let's take, let's dive a little deeper and talk about mast cell activation syndrome because that is like in my opinion and many others' opinion the leading cause. So our mast cells are what produce histamine, okay? So with mast cell activation syndrome, you're releasing histamine abnormally. So remember I said histamine is released in response to like a potential pathogen. Well, with mast cell activation syndrome, it's released in response to other stuff. Like remember how I said I, I had a poor response to the heat? Heat actually will trigger your mast cells to release more histamine if you have an issue with mast cell activation syndrome. So you're producing much more histamine than you should be. And it's not just histamine, it's all it's an other inflammatory cytokines. So your body is going into this inflammatory state, right? And so that makes you, you know, our mast cells, 
we have mast cells all over the body. So wherever those mast cells are, you're going to produce more histamine. And that's when you become symptomatic. So it's, it's either whether you're producing too much histamine or you're just producing a normal amount of histamine and unable to break it down. Or sometimes you have both things going on. That makes sense. And is mast cell activation syndrome, is that something that you can test for? Or is it even worth testing for? So here's the thing with, with testing for it. There is a, a list of, and I give in the book, of tests you can do. The problem is that you can get a false negative. And it's all dependent on where you are. Let's say you're having a really good day. You might not have a high, you know, whatever, one of the markers might not be high that day. It's really more of like when you're in a reaction that it's the best time to test. But there are so many tests. It's like one's a 24-hour urine test. One's a, you know, So it's not that you can exactly time everything right. So I myself have come back positive and negative for mast cell activation syndrome. So I tend to say to people, you know, I work with all, all people on all different levels. Some people just have histamine intolerance. Like let's say they, they were fine their whole life. Recently, they start reacting to things and they, it's, it's being driven by their gut. They're easy. We reduce the histamine foods. We fix the gut. They're fine after. But some people who have mass activation syndrome, that comes in all levels too. It may be you have it, but it's not like a, a gigantic issue. It can be kind of solved the same way that histamine tolerance can be solved. And some people can't tolerate the very treatment they need. So like they can't take any supplements. They can't tolerate almost any food. They come to me, they're like, I can eat three foods. So there's all different levels of this. And I work with all of them and I've been all of the levels myself. So it really is so dependent on the person and all the things that are working together to, to bring this picture up. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. 
seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas, melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BC Melanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the U.S. is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives. Dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. Okay, seems with so many health things, that's the way it is, so individual. Is there really hope, though, for, like, can anybody take charge of their histamine and get things on the up and up? Yeah, and honestly, it's one of the easiest things to work with if you just have histamine tolerance. It's really one of the quickest things, because I don't just work with this. You know I work with a lot of stuff, but... If you just remove the high histamine foods, I can tell you the difference you can see in like one or two weeks is amazing. Then if you start working on the underlying causes of it, and then you can start adding those, some of those foods back in, and it depends what you may be able to eat them some days and some days you can't, it just depends on what's going on as far as that bucket goes. But it is one of the easiest things to work with and one of the hardest things to work with, just depending on the severity of the issue. But just histamine intolerance in general without mast cell activation syndrome is pretty simple to work with. Okay. And then I'm glad we did talk about you know what you're eating with this. I have so many questions about histamine and foods. So do you know the histamine that's actually, because it's often high in like high protein foods, is the histamine in the food like in an animal product? Is it the exact same compound that's in us? It's just an exogenous form of it because it was created by that animal? Well, it's okay. So like when food ferments, certain bacteria turn into the amino acid known as histidine. And that is what turns into histamine. So it's it's literally depends on what you're eating and what it's doing. So it can be that's the picture, like the actual food has a lot of histamine in it. Or it can be that there's a certain foods that make our own histamine in our bodies are called histamine liberating foods. So they make our own histamine we have released more. So that's the difference. 
Do you know why that is? Like why they liberate histamine in us? Not really. I mean, you know, it's it's weird because it's like alcohol is listed under high histamine foods and histamine liberating foods. Alcohol is fermented. So it's the bacteria issue with that. So I think it's it's hard to say what I think different foods are doing it for different reasons. So I don't really know per food what's exactly happening with each thing. I mean, if you take caffeine, like caffeine is getting to histamine because it's activating your sympathetic nervous system. Activating your sympathetic nervous system is going to increase your mast cells. And then the more mast cells you have, the more histamines release. So it's literally like so independent of the food. It's like you'd have to go through each food and and digest like and really learn about each food and why it's doing it. It's an easy thing to fix, but it's a complicated thing to understand. (laughs) I've been so fascinated by histamine. Like I literally will just read histamine studies in Google Scholar and they're really fun to read. (laughs) And also some foods are not high in histamine and they don't liberate our own histamine, but they reduce the DAO enzyme. So that's why you shouldn't eat those. So there's different reasons for each thing. So that's why in the book, I put a yes, no, maybe list together because I want people to be able to eat as many foods as they can. I I really try not to cause like a a problem with food here for people. The no list is the, the list I want people to stay away from the most at first because it's like the foods that are pretty much producing histamine, like they're just high histamine foods because of the bacteria, the way it's broken down. But then some foods that are maybe DAO enzyme blocking foods or histamine liberating foods, I put on the maybe list because you may have no reaction to these. So why would you stay away from a nutrient dense food that could be healthy for you if it doesn't make you react? So I really you know, encourage people to try through the list, eat mostly off the yes list. But, and then I, I definitely want people to journal what they're eating and how they're reacting and how they're responding. And, you know, with my patients, I look at it and I give them my feedback on it. But even, you know, without being my patients, people can kind of see patterns of certain things that may do, you know, if I would have known that kombucha back in the day was high in histamine, I had a histamine issue. I would have been able to put together that kombucha was always causing me to feel weird. But I was eating so many high histamine foods at the time, it was hard to, to differentiate and I wasn't writing anything down and I wasn't aware of the whole histamine picture. So it was hard to know. Right. It's like when all of it's happening, it's really hard to identify any one thing. And then when you do get the levels down, then things become really telling. I feel like that's kind of like how people feel like after an elimination diet, they feel like they're reacting to foods more, which maybe they are, or maybe they're just completely more aware of it. What I find with that is they finally feel good. They haven't felt that way in so long. So now when they eat that food that causes them to feel the way they used to feel, they think they're more sensitive, but they're not. They just, they're, they are just feeling the way they used to feel. Exactly. Some more questions about the actual food. Do you know that the spectrum of how much difference histamine can be in any given food. And to clarify this, like for example, so I had mercury toxicity, for example. And when I did a lot of research into it, I realized that if you eat, you know, like a piece of swordfish, it's potentially like eating 300 tilapias at one time, like mercury wise. So 
with like histamine foods, is the range really large? Like if you have a really, really high histamine food, is can that be like a really, really huge dose or is it not as much of a big deal? No, there is. I mean, there's certain foods that are, are definitely higher in histamine or definitely cause a bigger problem than others. You know, like alcohol or anything fermented is going to be worse than like maybe a banana. You know, it's definitely, and there's, there's tons of lists out there. It's hard to, it's hard to navigate through the list because they're all so different. I find that anything aged is a problem, like canned foods, definitely fermented, certain cheeses, definitely certain vegetables, which there luckily are not a lot of vegetables that are an issue. It's like, tomatoes, spinach, eggplant. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. And then it's like you have to, then there's like mushrooms may be an issue, but they may not. They're not as severe as like the tomato would be. So I think, yes, there is definitely different levels of histamine in the different foods. And that's again, why I made that yes, no, maybe less. Cause I didn't want everyone to cut everything out that could possibly be related to histamine. Listeners definitely get this book. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. It has like like she said all of the lists. So easy to reference has recipes as well. It's really really a valuable resource. Quick question about you're talking about the aging factor. Meat, for example, if meat has been immediately frozen, it's my understanding that that stops histamine production. Yes. So freezing does, heating does not. So when you have leftover, you know, I like there's certain brands and, you know, I'm not going to promote anyone right now on this because there's probably plenty of great companies that, you know, they do. I have called and I know that they do immediately like freeze as soon as you possibly can. Right. So that would be the best company you would want to go with. You would want to get it frozen. So you wouldn't want to go buy a steak and leave it in your refrigerator for two days, then cook it, and then leave it in the refrigerator after for a day or two, and then eat it. Like All of that time is collecting histamine. So I like to get frozen, and then I I do a quick thaw, because the longer it's thawing, the the more histamine it's producing. So like I I usually will put it in, you know, like warm water, but a quick thaw. And then I rinse it because there is a lot of histamine producing bacteria on the meat. And then I cook it. And I did do a lot of Instant Pot recipes because it's a quick cooking method. So like if you cook it for a really long time, like in the crock pot, that's going to be a problem. So you want it cooked and then you want to eat it. And that's the best possible scenario. And then if you have leftovers, you just freeze them. Because if you, you know, don't freeze them and they sit in the refrigerator, again, they'll produce more histamine. But if they're sitting in the freezer, they won't. This is so huge, especially because I think a lot of people, especially at the grocery store, would as- they assume that getting, quote, fresh meat is fresher. <laughs> but like you said, if you know that the meat was frozen immediately upon, you know, slaughter slash processing, um, that's most likely the way to go. <laughs> Yeah. And like with fish, like seafood, the reason I didn't do any seafood recipes in my book is because seafood, remember we were talking, some things are worse. Seafood is higher in histamine just in general. So it literally would mean like you'd need to catch it, cut it, take it home and eat it. Like that's how fresh it really needs to be to be lower in histamine. 
And you're, you don't find that at most places. It's pretty much hard to find that fresh of seafood. So I just pretty, I'd stay away from, for the most part, when I was acute, I can eat it now. It doesn't bother me. But for people who are very acute, I'm like, just stay away from it. You know, it's, it's, it's most likely going to be an issue. So it makes me so sad. The mercury, the histamine, like I just, I love seafood and fish as like a concept. Well, I love the way it tastes and the health profile of like the, you know, the omegas and the protein and <sighs> upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I eat wild salmon all the time because I don't take, you know, it's like, again, like I don't take omega three fish oil capsules because they're aged. So if I do want to get my omegas in, I'm going to have to eat fish, but I do, you know, make sure I'm re- researching sources and finding out, you know, I use butcher box for like my meats. Like I make sure I can find out, I talk to the companies and find out how they're, what their process is. And that's really just what you need to do. I mean, you, you they're, that's what they're there for. Yeah, I actually called because I adore ButcherBox and I actually emailed them and wanted to know if they knew more about like how fast everything was frozen. They couldn't give me like a firm answer, but they said that it was done, I guess, like as fast as possible. Yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's more information than I know about a lot of other places, but yeah. We're like the same. Exactly. Especially at like local stores. I mean, you don't know how long that's been sitting there. And I forget the name of the book. There's a book I read. I think it's called Going Wild or something about wild. And it's about vegetables. And like you think you're getting, like you go to the store and you're like, oh, organic broccoli. But it's been, it's been there probably for a week before they even put it out. Like it's really hard to, to know how fresh your food really is depending on where you're getting it from. So the point of everything I do is so that people don't have to stress so much over this. We, I try to get them healthy as possible so that they don't have to worry about this so much. But in the beginning, it is a process. And this is why like on my Instagram, I make videos showing you like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get ground meat. You're going to put this in it. You're going to make patties. You're going to stick it in this type of bag. You're going to freeze it. This is how you're going to take it out. Like, because it's hard. And so I want people to know it, it can be really much easier. And in the book, I talk about it too. Just, just little, little tricks that you can do that can make making fresh food so much easier. Cause I think that's the biggest challenge people have with this. Could not agree more to that point. Was it in your book or did I read it somewhere else? I just found this really motivating (laughs) as far as like mindset surrounding everything. Did you talk about the poison ivy study in your book? No. Have you read that one? No. Okay. Well, this is like going on a whole nother tangent about mindset and everything. But basically they did a study on people who did or did not have allergies to like poison ivy or something. And basically if they told them, if the kids did have poison ivy and then they were exposed to something that they thought was poison ivy they would react regardless of if it was or was not poison ivy (laughs) but if they got actually got exposed to poison ivy and didn't think it was poison ivy it was a small group so probably like seven or so but like i think like five or six of them didn't react (laughs) because they didn't think it was yeah they didn't think it was poison ivy well it's the stress reaction so 
working with people who are on the, the one end of the spectrum that are very sensitive. I have to talk to them about this all the time. And I was the same way. Like you develop such fear around food and supplements. And I'm not a big supplement person. Like I use supplements just like for protocols and then we move on. Like, it's not like I want people on 20 supplements forever at all. Cause I, I personally would never do that myself, but there is this reaction. It's like this this thing that you develop where if you've had a reaction to something and you've had, you keep reacting to this, let's say your supplements, you keep reacting to supplements, you're just going to become terrified to try anything. So every time you try a new supplement, you have the same reaction, but it's not the supplement. It's your body. It's your, it's your sympathetic nervous system causing stress. And then stress does cause your, your body to release more histamine. So it's not that it's actually what's in the supplement that's doing it. It's that you're reacting to stress. So what I really try to do in the book and, and on the, one of the very last pages, I have a whole thing on visualization. It's a visualization exercise to reduce reactions to food and supplements. And it's like, it walks you through how to talk to your body about what you're putting in it and that it's not going to, going to hurt you. You know, it's there to help you. It's, you know, nutrient dense, whatever you go, you you need to talk to yourself about it. I mean, it's basically like meditating, you know, but you know, once you are at the point where you are able to start re, you know, reintroducing stuff, sometimes you have to like prepare yourself for it. And if you are one of those people who have been really reactive to things, just like with the poison ivy study, it's, it really is a stress response to it. So you will create your body, you know, subconsciously will create the same reaction as the actual thing will. So it's really important to understand that. That's why I talk a lot about meditation, a lot about visualization and trying to, to get yourself ready mentally as well as physically for this stuff. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste, 
Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Hi friends. Okay, so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been talking for so long about red light and near-infrared therapy, which is so, so important. However, I kind of left out something really important about light. So as you guys know, I've been talking about red light and near-infrared for so long. And at the same time, during the day, I was using a bright, sad light. So it's those white lights that help with waking you up, help with your circadian rhythm. They're used to combat mood issues and depression. So I have a really bright white one of those at my desk. A few things about that. I knew it helped wake me up and kept me stimulated, but I wasn't sure if it had any detrimental effects using it. And then two, I was also wondering if by just focusing on red and near-infrared light, was I somehow missing something in the full spectrum of light? Guess what? I was. And guess what? I found the solution. And guess what? I have a discount for you guys. So the founder of a company called Soulshine reached out to me and he was like, do you know about the importance of full spectrum light? And I was like, you know what? I've been wondering about this for quite a while. Please educate me. Oh my goodness. This man blew my mind. I talk a lot about the problems of blue light. That said, we evolved in natural full spectrum sunlight that our genes are programmed to respond to. And today we do not spend enough time in that light. A lot of us don't go outside and we're overexposed to blue light. It's a problem. And then to make things even more problematic, the common sad lights that I was talking about that are bright white, they actually do not contain the full spectrum light. They filter out certain wavelengths and they're high in blue light. So just like I thought, It was not doing my health many services. There is only one company I have found, or I guess that found me, that makes a full spectrum white light device. So the Soul Light Systems include the fullest spectrum of visible and invisible near-infrared light with traces of UV light. Yep, that's right, because you need all of that as well. Don't worry, it's not an exuberant amount that's going to cause a problem. It's just a tiny little dose that your body actually needs. You can use these lights to fix your circadian rhythm and properly stimulate your brain's suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, in a way that it was supposed to be stimulated. It's kind of like the natural spectral diet. Because yes, you may be suffering from malillumination. Did you know that your entire bloodstream actually filters through your eyes in a relatively short amount of time, that's the only way your blood is exposed to the outside world. So when we expose our eyes to this light, 
It actually can have beneficial effects on our blood. That is crazy. It helps with skin, with mood. This is the light that I wasn't thinking about that we need. I love Soulshine's light therapy devices. I do use it in combination with my red and near infrared light devices as well so that I can fully bathe my body in the best light that is so helpful for my sleep, for my stress, for my metabolism, for my immunity, for my health, so many things. They have so many different device options. They have one that I love that kind of looks like a juve and I sit it on my desk and it has options for the full spectrum light, which is that bright white light, as well as an ear infrared option. So what I do is I do a session of the full spectrum light in the morning and then I run the near infrared to help counteract the negative blue light around me. They also have stands with bulbs that you can get. I've been using some of those on my plants. I am just so grateful that Ken at Soulshine found me because I was missing out on such a key aspect of light and I had no idea. And you can get 10% off at melanieavalon.com slash soulshine. That's S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon. So melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon for 10% off. It's really helped my mood, my energy, my sleep, so many things. I think you guys will love it. So again, go to melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. Hi friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality. They're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit. That's what I have. And it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving. It's just really an amazing investment. And they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon. Or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off. And that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. And if you do purchase a sauna, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. That was one of the other things I love love so much about your book was that it is this entire comprehensive, you know, picture. And I think the meditation and the perspective is so huge. And I don't even just think it, like I said, the studies find this. It's very much like a real thing. Cause I think people can think, oh, like what, you know, what can that actually do? But can actually do a lot. I do have a one quick question of something we didn't touch on. So pharmaceutical antihistamines. So how therapeutic are they? Do they actually make things worse in the long run? Slash, is there the potential for using them therapeutically? You know, if somebody wants to do address things short term while they're addressing root causes. Yeah. So it depends how severe the person is. So let's say someone's super acute. They may have to take something like hormone, which is like a pretty strong antihistamine, which it would be more of a mass activation syndrome type person who can eat four foods and can't take any supplements. And that would allow them to start doing like treating their gut things that they need to do to be able to actually start to learn their body to learn to break down histamine again. 
And those are okay short term, but long term antihistamine medication actually reduces the enzyme that breaks histamine down. So it really creates histamine intolerance overall. So you, you know, you can use stuff like quercetin, which is basically the same thing. I mean, it's just a natural antihistamine, but it doesn't have the side effect that, you know, say Zyrtec or whatever does is of breaking down that DAO enzyme. And you can also, and I put a list in the book of high quercetin foods. I mean, you can get it in food, but, but that type of stuff can help you to kind of block those histamine receptors and allow you to tolerate more foods and more, more supplements and whatever you need to do to get, to get to the root of the issue. Have you found with your patients something like quercetin, like a difference in the, the benefits of like a quercetin supplement compared to a lot of high quercetin foods? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, honestly, it's just like dim, you know, like dim, you could eat a, a bunch of broccoli and get, you know, the same, that estrogen balance that, that the supplement dim is made for, but it's so high dose that it's really hard to actually eat the right amount of foods. So if someone's really mild, yeah, I would be like, why don't you try eating some high quercetin foods? But in all honesty, I start every one of my patients off with liver support and every one of, every one of them that has histamine intolerance off with a supplement called Histo Relief that has quercetin and some other antihistamines in it that are natural. Because, and I also give them the list of foods and I encourage them to eat those foods, but sometimes if they're eating the foods, is not enough. And then one thing you talk about in your book is how you can do histamine self-test. How can a person do a histamine self-test? It's really easy. People say, what tests do I need to do? And I'm like, you don't have to spend any money. This is one of the easiest things to test. So, and I actually have like a handout or like a PDF that I will give you guys a link to, to do this to yourself. So basically, you you know the symptoms, right? So in the handout or the PDF, you'll see the symptoms, the, like the main, you know, the main maybe 15 symptoms. What are the basic ones? Definitely like migraines. It doesn't have to be migraines. It can be just headaches, diarrhea, congestion, runny nose. Like some people just randomly are always congested. Eczema, you know, any type of dermatitis because we have a lot of mast cells in our skin. So we can definitely produce, you know, release a lot of histamine there. Hives, but you don't ever have to have had hives to have histamine intolerance. But some people just get random hives. Fatigue, vertigo, flushing. You know, some people we notice that flush easier than others. I do talk a lot about exercise intolerance. You know, this can be really tied to histamine intolerance because when you are exercising or when you are hot or both, you are producing more histamine. So if you're not breaking it down, it can make it harder to exercise. So like if you feel really worn out after you exercise, it can be an adrenal issue or a thyroid issue, but it could also be a histamine intolerance issue. It really just depends on what's going on in your body. A lot of people will notice when they're eating, they'll get a faster heart rate. So tachycardia, that's a really good sign that that food is increasing the histamine in your body. That's the one I get that's like really obvious to me, unless it's something else, but I will get that one. <laughs> yep. I, me too. I was like that too. And for me, it was that weird crawling on my head. I'm telling you, I thought I had, I thought I was dying. I was like, I have a tumor. This is, again, this is it. You know, I'm going to get this MRI and they're going to find this. And that there was nothing. It was totally normal. And it was just, it was the histamine. So those are the most common symptoms. So this is what you want to do. You want to take 
the, so let's say the yes, no, maybe less. So in the PDF, I give you the highest histamine foods. So let's say you eat a bunch of, you know, fermented foods or whatever's on that list for a couple of days or however long it takes. It may take you five minutes to notice. It may take you a week, but your current symptoms or your, or you get additional symptoms. So if the current symptoms exacerbate with this, or you get additional symptoms, then you remove all those high histamine foods for about a week. And if you feel better, you have histamine intolerance. I mean, that's pretty much almost always the case. I do have a quiz also in the book to help you to figure out if you have histamine intolerance, but it's, it's really not hard to figure out. It's just that a lot of people don't know about it. For listeners, the show notes for this episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash histamine, and I'll put links to everything there. But did you want to also vocalize what that link is to the PDF? It's a long one, so I don't <laughs> put it in. I can put it in the show notes. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. I've been dying to do this episode for so long. So thank you for helping me finally make it happen. I do have one last question that I ask every single guest on this podcast. And it's just because I've, you're going (laughs) to appreciate this. It's just because I've realized how incredibly important mindset is surrounding everything. So what is something that you're grateful for? I think I'm grateful for the community that has come together to bring us so much information on all of this stuff, you know, and, and knowing that there are people who specialize in one or two things and you really know you can go to that person and trust what they're saying. And there's so many people in this community, you know, on Instagram or whatever that, you know, we all watch and listen to on podcasts and stuff. And, And I'm just really grateful for them because Before this all came about, medicine was kind of a mess and it still is, you know, in certain areas. So I'm really grateful for the people who've put in so much time and effort to learn about things and to teach me. I mean, I've learned so much from so many people in this community and I continue to learn every day. And also the awesome, you know, followers, they're just so great and so appreciative of the hard work. And I'm sure you notice this too, Melanie. Like I get so many sweet people writing me, you know, DMs or just messages saying how grateful they are for the the hard work they know we're putting in. And it really makes it all worth it. Or people tell, sharing their story with you that they're getting better. It just makes everything worth it. I love that. I could not, could not agree more. I agree. I mean, my audience in particular, they're just like the best. <laughs> it makes it like, cause I love, you know, doing all this research and everything and sharing it. And I'm so grateful for practitioners and people like you helping make this all available and then to have people so receptive to the information and so open-minded and so on board with, you know, further exploration is just so, so wonderful. That made me think of one really quick question, just because you were saying that, you know, how you're grateful that there are people that specialize in all of these different things. And I think for a lot of people, oftentimes they get worried that because people specialize in different things that they're going to diagnose every condition as whatever their specialty is. Like Lyme disease. Yes. Like Lyme. Yeah. So like, you know, if you're a Lyme expert, everybody's got Lyme or if you're heavy metals, everybody's got heavy metals, but how pervasive do you think, you know, histamine intolerance is in people like out of everybody listening, could everybody benefit to at least do a test and see if that is, you know, affecting things, the self-test that you talked about? Yeah, I think if you're not getting answers, it's a really non-invasive thing to do rather than like doing this crazy, and I'm not 
saying that there isn't a place for protocols like Lyme disease and heavy metals and stuff because there is. But let's say try removing some foods and maybe working on your gut health is a lot less invasive or even just doing a self-test than starting all these, you know, really harsh supplements or chelation or whatever it is that can really actually make you a lot worse than better. So, you know, I don't know how many people have this. It hasn't been studied enough, but I can tell you that I'm seeing more and more and more and more people going, this is the problem. This is what I have. So I think it's, it's a fairly easy thing to test out without hurting yourself. Like you really can't hurt yourself and with, with trying, you know, this approach, which unlike some other things, you really can hurt yourself. Yeah. I could not agree more. Like I think with my mercury, I pretty sure I did a number of my body with a lot of pharmaceutical chelation that I, looking back, I don't know if I would have gone that route. Really harsh on some people and especially people who have histamine intolerance, we don't methylate well. So we don't push things out easily. And you have to be very conscious of that when you're trying to pull things out. You can't just start taking stuff that's moving things around. You might just end up moving things around. You're not going to get it out of your body. So it's all a process and it needs to be done very slowly. And especially if you're a very symptomatic person. Well, can I agree more? And the thing about histamine is we all have histamine, you know? like every person <laughs> compared to like Lyme or we all eat histamine. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like a natural thing in our body. Like you talked about in the beginning. Yeah. We need it. It's pervasive. And then with all of our stress and all of our food and everything that we experience today, I can see how for a lot of people, they could often easily become a problem. So, yeah, I mean, it's very rare that I will assume someone has a histamine issue and try them on a protocol for it, and it doesn't work. You know, it's very rare that they're like, nope, that did nothing. It, I mean, it really, it's really rare. Because I, like I said, I work with a lot of stuff. It's not just this. And you can definitely have things where it's like, nope, that wasn't it. What, let's look at something else. But with this, it's, it's usually, if I think it's this, it's this. So... Well, again, thank you so much. This has been so incredible. I'm so excited that we we finally got it done. Any other links you'd like to put out there for listeners to follow your work? Are you taking new patients or? Yeah, we take patients. I have two really awesome practitioners that start everyone off and with the testing. And then I speak with everybody and go over the results and, and put together a plan for them. So I do speak with everyone myself. But we have to work as a team because I had like an over a year waiting list at one point. I was like, I can't, I don't want everyone to wait. So how do I navigate this? And I found amazing, amazing practitioners to work with. So we have an awesome team. (laughs) Incredible. For listeners, again, I'll put links to everything in the show notes. And thank you so much. This was so wonderful. Hopefully, maybe I know you're really busy, but maybe we can bring you back on in the future. Do you have any other books in the works? I'm actually about to work on a third book right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's exciting. More histamine stuff. It's going to be more histamine stuff. And I think I'm going to be a little bit more gut focused. And I may be doing it with an awesome person, but we're not saying anything yet. So yes, there is something in the works. Got you. That's exciting. And it's exciting. And it's telling the fact that, you know, you're still like histamine. You know, it's not like this was a one and done thing. There's so much to it that I will probably never change my focus. I will always work with all the things I know of to work with, 
but I will never probably move to like, and now I'm doing a book on Lyme disease or whatever, you know, because it's really where I find the most relief with people. This and thyroid. I work with, you know, I, I'd say it's a 50-50 in my practice, thyroid and histamine. Wow. Well, that's incredible to hear. And now I'm really excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> we'll definitely, definitely have to bring you back on then for that when that materializes. Yes, I would love to. All right. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. I know. Like, I know. Likewise. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.